0: Okay, we're back with another good episode of Battleborn Duckers. Um man, new studio? What do you think, Brian? Yeah, new new digs.
1: Ron spent like all oh, about 20 minutes setting it up this week.
0: Yeah, that's all it took, man. But yeah, we're we're happy to be in the new studio. We uh we got custom wood panels that were already here. So, I didn't have to put those in, but yeah, we're excited to be in the new studio. And have a new got,
1: place? Ron got the disco party lights going.
0: Well, what's the countdown, man? How close are we?
1: Um, uh, Close. Close, close for, what, two months away?
0: Yeah, opener for the Actually, southern no. zone is October 15th.
1: Just a little bit over a month away. If we look at going up north, so you're looking middle of September. Yeah, middle of September. September
0: for northern zone down here in Nevada. But, man, we are I'm, – I'm excited. I'm excited to watch you miss all those ducks again this year. Well,
1: I mean – I got to keep up with you. I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to try. I can't make you look like that big of a loser. Yeah, we were having an interesting discussion the other day about putting red dots on your shotguns. You ever heard about that? I, I
1: I've seen people tactical red dots on on shotguns, but see, I don't shoot with a sight picture. Anyways, I just shoot instinctive, so red dots not really gonna do me any good. So,
0: what do you think, Tim? Have you heard about that?
2: Yeah, I have. I hunted with a guy. Oh man, probably fifteen years ago. That had a, a a red dot on his shotgun, and he just shot everything.
0: He was very successful. Oh man. my gosh, was he ever? Yeah, that that's what I've heard. I've heard that it actually um, helps people that are cross eyed dominant, you know, to actually be able to find a sight picture and actually shoot.
1: Yeah, because you got a little bit bigger, you got a little bigger window to look through, let's say. And and I actually, I actually was talking to you the other day about. I was watching a thing with a Navy SEAL and uh, firearms instructor, and he was talking about, you know, in a firefight instinctive shooting is the way to go just because it's so fast and and for me being cross-site dominant that's that's the way i've had to shoot all my life um you can't really set a sight picture when you're moving quickly and his thing was there's a modified system that they're using where you you kind of focus but you're not really focusing on the site it's just your site's just a blurry picture but you're really doing the instinctive shooting but you're adding the addition of having that site somewhere in that picture window and so the, the red dot kind of does that same thing for you
0: so, yeah all you have to do is get the red dot on the target and you're good to go exactly and yeah. that's
1: the the deal with instinctive shooting too It's you're going to shoot where you're looking at right that's that's where that's where it's going to go and so that's the whole purpose but i think you can do that a lot easier with the red sight than you can trying to light up a double beat on a shotgun right so you you're running line your front and your back beat up mm-hmm. and it takes time to set that we don't always have that time or setting up on ducks. I mean, you do because you spend your whole day water swatting. But
0: most of us, most
1: of us are actually shooting at birds as they're coming in. Don't have that time.
0: Yeah, but not only that is like when you when you transition from early season to late season, you go from having you know no no padding on, and then you've now just transitioned your shotgun up a couple to three inches, depending how big of a wuss you are. And with me, you know, I'm I'm bundled with like a kid off Christmas story. So, like, if I fall down the mud, I can't get up. And I also—that's why I'm going to blame you missing all the ducks on late season.
1: Yeah, pee once you, before you, right after you get out of the truck. <laughs> you ain't peeing day. once you get dressed, right? <laughs> yeah, no, and that's, that's the thing day. is. Well,
0: people, you still do It's in your clothes. <laughs> people it's don't warm, don't realize
1: warm. that. So we go, we make that transition from early season to late season, and and we're getting on ducks. And that early season, we're in a t-shirt down in Southern Nevada shooting in a t-shirt, right? Even in the morning, we're shooting in a t-shirt. And you get to that later season where it's, you know, we've hunted in sub-zero temperatures in, in Nevada before. And then you've got a sweatshirt on, your your wader jacket on, a set of waders on. You've actually changed the position of that gun. So that gun's not going to shoot the same way as it did during the summer. And so a lot of guys have a hard time making that transition. You and I get lucky enough, and I think Tim as well, we all get lucky enough that we shoot. We, we hunt a lot. We get a hunt all the way through. And so we're kind of adjusting every day. Uh, but most people go in. They might shoot once
0: at the beginning of the season. At the end of the season, they try to shoot again, and they can't birds. That's the beauty with the red dot. And, I'm, and I'm, I am going to throw it on a couple of my guns this year, see how it works. So when I transition from heavy to to, you know, you said you were you wear shirts at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it's a lot more comfortable. You take them off. Just go. Nobody out. wants to see
1: you without your shirt,
0: Ron. Well, you yeah, We're group, trying man. to get. There's ducks. a lot of people that are we're trying enemy, to get ducks in. Um, Not into ladies. my body's shape. Um, but yeah. That being said, um, y- you don't have to worry about that transition because as long as you put the red dot on it, that that duck is dead.
1: Yeah. Well, who do we have in studio with us today, Ron?
0: Well, uh, well, someone that costs more than a red dot scope. Uh, for sure. That. But just uh, that being said, I'll make fun of it. But he his product has has proven over that we we had him on the show what a year or two ago, Tim. Yeah, probably is only about a year. A year ago, and uh, we had him on the show, and there's a lot of people skeptical about the product that he was selling, and uh, he, uh, those, those skeptical, those skeptics have since uh, have been quieted because his product keeps on <laughs> proving to be super, uh, super effective in retrieving ducks and getting cripples. And you know, if you shoot as good as Brian does, there are a lot of cripples, or they fly away. You that's know, that's why we bring your
2: kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, that's, that's Yeah. So, Tim, introduce yourself a little bit for people that didn't listen to that one.
2: Yes, uh, Tim Reese. Uh, I own and operate all around retrievers. My wife Shannon. Uh, we breed um, very well uh, pedigreed Labs and uh, Field Goldens, and I emphasize on the field of the Field Goldens.
0: Now we just had you at the Woods and the Water lunch. And you yes. gave an excellent talk, and the one thing that was kicking myself for you not bringing it up is how driven your dogs are. Like you talk pedigree, 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 pedigree. And I don't think people realize that when your dogs hit the water, your goldens hit the water, they hit it as hard as a lab does.
2: Yes, yes. And that would be, uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head. That's just pedigree, man. That is, That tells me what that dog's bred to do and how well it's bred to do it. But, yeah, that's a pet peeve of mine. If those dogs, you know, goldens don't hit that water hard, then uh, I'm not breeding them and I'm not on them.
0: How many dogs did you transition through before you got the lines you wanted? Um, you don't have to limit only. to You know Goldens. what? Goldens?
2: No, Goldens. I kind of knew what I wanted just mm-hmm. because the gene pool's so small, and the dogs that are good are well known. So um,
1: Goldens have something to come with Ron. They have a really shallow gene pool. Is that what you're
2: saying? Yeah, kind of. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I hit the water hard. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, with with the Goldens, no, we kind of knew what we wanted, and and that's what we started labs. Um we're kind of big on they got to have that off switch guys they got to be able to sit <laughs> in my house and be content with you know eight months of no hunting you know maybe training but when it gets hot when it's 115 i'm not training so they got to be content with just being a house dog hanging out yeah well yeah. i think that's one of the things that sets your dogs apart from a lot of dogs that are
1: especially when you start getting into the hunt trials world um those dogs a lot of them are all go Yes. and and that's it and so your dogs are all go and they need to be all go and then once they hit the house that off switch goes off and they're well-mannered good family dogs as well
2: yeah and they need to be most of my my clients are you know weekend warriors like the most of us are mm-hmm. um so that dog needs to be just as compatible in the house as it is in the field
0: yeah, that's something I noticed about some labs. Like, Brock is an okay off switch, but if Brian comes around, that dog loses his mind for some reason. Like, <laughs> like I can't call him.
1: Because I come around and we go hunting. And yeah, he, that's what he he's doing. like, my dad can't shoot ducks, so I don't <laughs> have anything to retrieve.
2: Here comes Brian. we got <laughs> to retrieve Brian. something today. <laughs>
0: that's
2: funny. But that's true. Yeah, he probably associates Brian with
0: something fun's gonna happen yeah but like he he's absolute nuts he's yeah. like i gave him a meth or something but i've seen some labs that have zero so it's like you you walk through that door and they're like jumping up on your chest and trying to knock yeah. you down and yeah you know. i can't
2: i can't have those I'm, I'm sorry to the guys that do have them they teach us on. but no man they've got to be just calm and cool
1: and well, that's a hard thing to get in a dog because you for a good duck duck dog um for a good waterfowl dog and even a good hunt trial dog, that dog has to have, they, they have to have a given drive, right? Yes. That you, you can't run a duck dog that you can't, the one thing you can never teach a dog is drive. And so you don't want to beat the drive out of your dog. Yeah. But you you need, they need to have that off switch to where they're manageable. Otherwise you're going to hate that dog after, after you get home. And with rock, what I noticed with rock is we'll go and we we'll go hard. I mean, that dog, He's doing 300, 400 yard retrieves sometimes on a cripple, and then he'll, he's running all day. There's four guys shooting; he's retrieving ducks all day. We get in the truck, and you know, my pet peeve with him is he sits behind me and puts his head on my shoulder the whole drive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but he does. He gets in the truck, and that off switch is there, right? Yeah. And so he's he's more enjoyable than a dog that's swining and it's bouncing back and forth all around the around the truck the whole time. You just can't keep him keep him steady. So.
0: How do you do that? How do you make sure if you have a well-driven dog, how do you train it so it's obedient but yet don't beat the drive out of it? Where's that line at?
2: So it goes all back to pedigree. (laughs) Pedigree is going to dictate how much drive that dog has. Um, I would rather have a ton of drive and, you know, have to put on the brakes every now and then than have to hit the gas and force that dog into doing something it doesn't want to do. So your pedigree is going to be a big factor on – You know, your water drive, your prey drive, your toy drive. And for, you know, for all that house stuff, obedience is going to come into play. You know, you want that dog that's not running on the couch and bouncing off the walls. You want a dog that's just, you know, can sit on the dog bed and relax. And obedience plays a big factor in that. But so does genetics.
0: Now, let's, this for example, though, to give, like, let's say uh, you went and bought a garage lab, you know, and doesn't have that pedigree. Okay. And now it's just a, it's nuts, right? It's it's great in the dog duck blind. You run it a little bit, he calms down. But at home, he's an absolute nightmare. How do you, is there any way to fix that with the dog? Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely, man. Just do a lot, a, a lot of obedience. Um, set your boundaries for the dog in the house. You know, my dogs aren't allowed to roam my house freely. Um, my older dogs are, but you know, my dogs under three. It's just baby gate, you know. After baby gate and routine, routine and boundaries is going to help you tremendously with those kind of dogs.
1: I call him a two couch dog because by the time you get him tra- trained, you've gone through two couches already. So yeah.
2: yeah, you know what? And that and that goes back to boundaries. I get a lot of clients coming in for obedience, and they're saying, you know, when I leave, my dog counter surfs, goes through the garbage, shreds pillows. And it's you know my first question is so oh, then why are you leaving it in the house why don't you kennel it well you know i don't like to do that well that's the nature and dna and that dog says he wants to be kenneled.
1: well that's the that's one of the biggest misconceptions i've i've heard about dogs from a lot of people is kenneling a dog is mean right how do you lock that dog up but if you look at a dog in the wild so the dogs come from wolves and the, that wolf family and you know they're pack animals but they they need to be in a safe environment. So they'll find a cave in the wild a lot of times, and then they'll push into that cave to where they're surrounded and they're protected on three sides or they only have to worry about that front side. You put that dog and you get them kennel trained. Yeah, they're going to whine for the first couple times you put them in there. But then that becomes their safe place. That becomes their go-to home, right? I had a dog that, you know, I go to bed and the kennel was under my bed, and that dog would just walk right into his kennel and lay down. That's where he's comfortable. And if something... Somebody came over that he wasn't comfortable being around. He would go find his kennel and go lay in his kennel. So it's not a mean thing to do to a dog. It's 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 using what the dog is comfortable with and what they would do in the wild, and using those instincts to make them feel as comfortable as possible. And it solves a lot of issues. Kennel, kennel yeah. crate training is is a good thing. Crate training dogs is an easy way to potty train a dog too.
2: Oh, absolutely, it is. It, it really is, and it just goes to routine um i have what two kennels in the living room and then the doors are open and you know the dogs just go in there willingly and lay down and you know as soon as one gets up and the other one goes in and lays down so well, it's because yeah. you're using shot colors on the kids and they
1: know what that feels like I don't know. <laughs>
0: hey well, so you know <clears throat> what do you tell people that that are like well my dog doesn't like it it whines every single time i put him in this kennel
2: it, it goes to that you know that newborn you mm-hmm. know you put that newborn in that crib it's it's gonna cry same you know same with a a pup it's gonna cry but sooner or later it's it knows that okay mom puts me in here but you know four or five hours go by i see her again and then the next day it gets better the next day it gets better and you know try feeding the dog in there just get that dog comfortable and once that routine kicks in and that dog's reassured that mom or dad's always coming back it's it'll maintain it for the rest of his life well,
0: so it actually makes them happier. That boundary does. It makes yep, it, it yes. makes them more mental, like gives them more mental it stability. It does.
1: Well, that's what we're trying to train.ing When you're training dogs, it's you're trying to use that natural instinct and and how they do things in nature and figure it out and use it to your advantage. It's the, the same way I see people talking about behavior problems with dogs, and we talked about a little bit at Woods and Waters with with one of the gentlemen, and it's about that alpha status, right? Yeah. So those dogs are pack animals, and There's going to be an alpha there's going to be some betas and that alpha dog is going to lead lead that group Mm -hmm. And, and they're in charge what i see a lot of times is as an owner of a dog especially if you've got a working dog you have to become that alpha dog right and Yes. Absolutely. I see people sitting at the dinner table. They're eating their dinner and they're giving dogs food off of their plates or they're eating, feeding their dogs at the same time they're feeding
0: them. Giving them McDonald's and they're in the backseat.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But that, that tells them that they're basically on the same status as, as you are in that pack. And so you really have to exert that. And one of the ways you do it is pretty simple. A dog doesn't eat until after you eat. And then, cause in, in the wild, what a dog does is it's going after food and the the alpha dog is going to eat first and when he's done he's going to let the next dog eat and so using those skills and those those things is is pretty important because that's the way the dogs learn naturally
2: yeah just remember that hierarchy you know that's their their pack animals they're always looking for that alpha and that lead dog and you know dna says they're going to test that lead dog that's because they want to be you know head honcho and that's where that constant obedience routine comes in, but yeah, that's how, absolutely.
0: Right. So, if you haven't trained your dog on that, how do you exert alpha?
2: Like- obedience, one hundred percent obedience. You know, if people say, you know, when I let my dog off the leash, it doesn't listen. Well, you don't let your dog off the leash, and if you can't get them to listen while they're on the leash, they shouldn't be off the leash. So, start doing your here, heel, sits. You know, obedience. Start taking your dog for a walk. You know, your dog doesn't walk in front of you walks beside you um dog doesn't touch you unless you invite them up doesn't jump on you unless you invite them up um just keep it simple and structured that's uh, that's all a dog wants is just structure and repetition
0: okay so it's baby steps then so if if they're running when they're off the leash you're like hey listen until you get OBA on the leash we don't get off the leash yeah
2: i mean it's 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 really really that simple It, it it is don't don't expect much keep your sessions you know short stay positive and it may take you 256 times of doing something but then that 257th comes and it's light bulbs on and you just you did it keep
1: going well if you've ever watched anybody work dogs and and training them it doesn't matter really what level if they're they're doing it the right way that dog's happy that dog's happy when it's when it's training those dogs especially when you get a dog that's a drive a dog with some drive or you know working dogs cattle dogs Duck dogs, those type of dogs, they they have a lot of drive and they need to do something and they want to work, and so they're happy to be in there and and doing that training because that's a they're getting praise from from the alpha right, so yep. they, they want that. So you know you look at those dogs and and if you watch them, watch their expression when they're they're in the middle of training, that expression is never
0: upset and mad and depressed. It's happy. Those dogs are happy dogs. I think if they do get upset and depress us, that's the time to put them back in their kennel.
2: It is. Always leave always leave on a good note and just keep it upbeat and just look for the little things, you know. If they do something right, hey, praise the heck out of it, you know. If you have to, you know, scold your dog or, you know, pop its leash, you know, let him sit for a couple seconds. Let it soak in but then, you know, make the good times really good and the bad times keep them short. Ron's got
1: a big problem because he can't get alpha status because he wears Crocs. So his dog knows. It's like, hey, this guy's a pansy. Hey, they're
2: comfortable. He keeps
0: on like saying things like, it's going to change. I'm still going to wear my Crocs. I might get him a pair. He talks to us so much. He's, He's. I. swear Crocs is a sponsor. And he talks about it. You see, you're not a dog trainer unless you wear Crocs. That's, that's <laughs> hey, um, I like what you said. So you keep the bad times really short. Yes. And the good times really good. Yep. Yep. And yep. that'll make them want the good times. Yeah.
2: Just you know, and I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm big on letting it soak in. You know, let them know when they did something wrong. Let them think about it, and then move on. And if they do something really good, hey, get ecstatic, get happy. That way they can start telling the difference between well if I do this, you know, mom and dad get mad, but if I do this, holy cow, I get tons of love. And that's that's all a dog wants is food and love, man. There's not more it's that simple.
0: So, um, it's not hunt season right now, right? So I haven't I been wish. running rock and doing a lot of stuff and uh we, we hunt so much together that like you said he kind of knows what I want yeah. you know and we're like whereas you you have to run what's your kennel at right now you're like seven dogs
2: yes yep yep and they're all inside dogs and they you know compete and, yeah
0: so it's not a normal kennel then it's around kennels but anyway yeah. so like uh like rock's my only dog right and so yeah we hunt nonstop. stop I swear sometimes like we, we communicate when we're out hunting and we're like very connected he knows what I want I know what he wants from him but off season sometimes he'll like, I'll be sitting on a chair or the couch, and then he'll sit there and stare at me like he's trying to talk to me. Do you think dogs <laughs> try to talk to you? Like, even so, when you're not hunting, and he's like, hey, what, what are we doing, man? It's been like four months, and you're just sitting here on the couch. You could be out shooting something.
2: So if a dog holds eye contact with you yeah. and they're just looking at you, that's yeah. a huge sign of affection. They're Isn't just <laughs> they're soaking you in, man. That's it. Like, I can sit and, you know, eat eat and watch TV, and I've got uh, my black lab is just locked on. Eye contact. And it's just a sign of affection. It means they're just content with yeah. you.
0: I thought he was talking shit in his head.
2: He probably is. In the duck blind he is. Why He's did like, you miss that? Dude, I haven't retrieved a duck in three days. Shoot something. Dead.
1: <laughs> no, I have one of mine. One of mine will sit there and he'll come into my office and I'll be working on something, editing podcasts or something like that. And his thing is, his head is is in my lap. Yeah. And then he sits there and puts his head in my lap and that's where he stands. And then 20 minutes later, he's trying to climb in my lap, all 45 pounds of them. I'm yeah. like, you're not a lap dog, dude.
2: Taking every inch.
1: But, you know, and that's the thing is that dogs really are, um, they, they like their, their people and they, they they want to be around their people. They want to please them. And if it's your job as when you're training your dog is to get the best out of that dog you can to, yeah. to use you're- that to
0: your advantage. But if you're both doing something you love, like I know Rock loves hunting almost as much as I do. You know, or maybe more. Maybe he, more. If I
1: come over and I leave my door open for more than thirty seconds, that dog is in inside my he's, truck.
2: He's ready. <laughs> so it's game time. Yeah. So
0: but like doing something like it's almost like you have a hunting buddy that like never complains and always wants to go out with you. Yeah. So hey, we also got Caleb in the studio. This is who who are you, Caleb? Are you Tim's son or what? oh uh, yeah. He's I
2: am. he's my youngest. So do you have to
1: test out all the shock collars or just, like, some of them?
0: Uh, most of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Are you going to put it on and shock yourself? Uh, you know what? Yes, yeah. they
2: have. Him and his brother both. They're
0: just... Never tried the Max.
2: Never t- <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you at least yell, ride the lightning before you do it? Ride the lightning. That's- <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we were in high school. We were all sitting around. We were trying to see who was the most manly. And we, we put this bar mart- collar on our neck. And then, like... One guy would bark softly and wouldn't go off, and then he'd go around the room until the guy that barked the loudest got shocked. Got it. Yeah. Well,
1: and then you get Cody, my my older boy. He, uh, you know, Cody. He, we put a electric fence up around because we had one of our dogs would climb the fence to get over the fence, right? And so he was going over an eight foot fence and getting out. I mean, dog. Their Catahoulas are super athletic. Yeah, right. Yeah, they are. And so Cody, my wife's dog, is a corgi or not a corgi, a wiener dog and border collie mix okay i call it the sausage it's like 70 pounds like four foot wide and like three foot long right so that dog cody was outside the fence when we put this electric fence on and cody wanted to know if the fence was working so he called my wife's dog over to the fence and he kept calling the dog and the dog is so stupid the dog ran over the fence and cody's busting up laughing the dog yelping so i knew what happened So Five minutes later, it happened again because the dog was so stupid. <laughs> was like, you want know
2: to do it again, <laughs>
0: man? When I was growing up, I, I, I was born, raised in Vegas. You know, moved out to Logandale later in life, and uh, we used to go out to Bunkerville for family reunions. I had a bunch of country cousins, and man, I heard this one kid. He was so mean. We're walking out, and we're trying to catch frogs. For we had a frog race contest. You ever done that? You draw a big circle, and frog. Anyways, we're out to catch frogs. There's these two metal wires. He goes, "I bet you can't hold those together." And I said. I bet I can. And I held them together. I was like, what? Oh, man. Have you ever been tricked by that? Now you know.
2: Yes.
1: And the trick is you you get a bunch of people that hold hands and put one guy on the end, and you'd be the one that grabs the fence, and you won't get shocked. The guy on the end will, though. (laughs) <laughs> so just, and you can you can do it out in Logandale, Caleb, because that's I mean we got plenty of, of cow fences out yeah, there. Yeah. So we
0: should do it. Just, <laughs> just when you're out with your buddies, I bet you can't hold them too wide. So if you're gather. if
1: you're walking by a cattle fence and his brother screams, you know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. You only do it once. I hope. <laughs> yeah.
0: Have you seen that one TikTok with those Australian guys and they're holding electric fence Like they up doing it, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, I feel so alive." <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> it's like is Pikachu in that fence? Anyways, well, um, let, let's talk about dogs. What do you what do you think about feeding a dog in the duck blind? Like if your buddy, like you're a hunting oh, with yeah, a buddy,
2: man. absolutely, I spoil them. They're working hard. Just you know, they're working harder than any of us. Yeah. So you know, I've got protein bars. I can give them. Um, we're always cooking in the duck blind. You know, eggs, or something like that, when it gets slow on you. Yeah, you got to. You got to. You know, they're doing all the work. You're just sitting there shooting and calling and missing. Mm-hmm. So you might as well spoil them.
0: What, uh, what dogs do you usually run with? Is there a dog you like in particular that's your favorite takeout hunting? Uh,
2: my favorite, my favorite is uh, my wife's um, my wife's dog, uh, Bex. These are stud dog. He's going to get a lot of time this year in the duck blind, and then my youngest lab tortie. She really blossomed last year, so I'm excited to see what she's got this year. So those two probably will be hunted the most.
0: What are your plans for this year for duck hunting? What are you? Are you going to stick with Overton? You can go up towards Alamo. What? What are you? Yeah, you, going to you do know what?
2: Have? I am going to. I got to do Overton. I got to. It's just right down the road, so it's, I'll do that. I'll do Key Pittman, and then probably you know Key Pittman and Overton are going to be. My, my little, rhinos. you know,
1: and, and he's got he's got Bex, and you know for those that don't know. So Tim actually did some Bex, had some Bex stuff. He was on a Bex, Bex video with with his dog and running his dog. So that's kind of the thing. Is yeah, out,
2: that's that's where he got his name
1: from. Out where we live, um, you have people like like uh, Tim with his dog kennel, and we also have Bex sunglasses sitting out there that you know his, his friends ours as well, and so it's kind of people take care of each other and and get in but yeah having that thing you i was watching youtube one day or it was something next i think our youtube page or something one day and here comes tim up with his dog running his dog on their on their thing so
2: yeah no that was nice of jason to do that for us it was it was it helped us out a lot when we started so well he does so much for that community i mean oh just, he, beyond beyond man him and his family so absolutely
0: what do you think about when you're hunting over 10 with new dogs? what What's your, what's your tip? So over
2: 10, over 10 is, is hard on new dogs. Um, I would say 90%, maybe even higher than 95% of hunters out there hunting with their dog inside the blind. So you're looking at, you know, your dog sitting in a, what is it, A four by eight by four feet tall box and they can't see. So it's, that is a hard, hard way to introduce a young dog um realistically you know new dog should be outside the blind so he can see everything he can you know start marking start looking you know the second you start blowing that duck call that dog needs to start scanning and when they're sitting in the blind with you that's that's so hard to do but uh, you know what i did see somebody put a dog blind in there um not a dog blind but a the doors a dog stand well you know and they that dog was sitting up you know shoulder height but then, you know, you've got issues with him jumping over or her jumping over, the blind, smashing the legs. Yes. Yeah.
1: And there's just so much stimulus out there, too, right? There's, there's you know, especially if you go to an over, opening day there. Oh, geez. It's nonstop for the first two hours. People are shooting at coots, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or anything, you know? Yeah. And, and no matter how high. for a new dog out there that it flies, it dies. You're yeah. trying to get it to concentrate and you're trying to get it to hold, especially if you're trying to get it to hold because that's a big. The big thing with high drive dogs is getting them to hold, and so that dog wants to leave, and then you got guys three blinds over shooting every time the wind blows. And that dog, every time he hears that, it's that go button gets, go. gets put on,
0: you know. But there are certain blinds out there in Overton that you can sit in front of, you um, know. And so, with new dogs, like you can sit in front of, um, like five, five has a good cover in front of it. Some of the pond blinds are pretty good, you know.
1: A lot of the blinds have good cover in, on them right now, until somebody goes and destroys them opening day because they can't see. Yeah, and so
2: that's if, inevitable. That yeah, so if there is good is cover, inevitable. like don't
0: destroy. But if you have a new dog and you're hunting Overton, you're you're allowed to sit right in front of that blind.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly what I would do. Is just you know don't either sit your dog outside the blind or sit next to him, and you know you work your dog and let your buddy shoot. Yeah. Um, and if that's, so be it, if you don't pull the trigger, at least your dog's, you know, just getting worse.
0: Yeah, but if you're all alone, too, you can still bring some fold-up chairs. You can sit right in front of the blind. Oh, absolutely. You're okay. actually going to be covered up better. If you sit in front of the blind versus in the blind, you're going to be covered up better because those ducks are going to come over. They're going to look in the blind. It's empty. Okay, we're safe. We can come in there.
2: Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with tethering your dog, either. I mean, if uh, there's stuff out there now where your dog's, you know, hooked to a quick release and... As soon as that duck drops and you just pull the cord and your dog goes. So there's there's ways to you know and there's nothing wrong with helping your dog that way. If you gotta tie it to tie it, go ahead.
0: You do something interesting in Overton with marsh stands. Do you wanna share about share that on the show?
2: Yeah, so I hunt with uh, a marsh stand and a and a blind and my dog is, you know, anywhere from I don't know, twenty five yards to, you know, right next and he <laughs> they sit in there for, you know, four or five hours and they gotta be content. Well, and that's the way it should be you know
1: and that's i think Overton's probably for especially for a dog the new dog is probably the hardest place in southern nevada to hunt Yeah. just because it's it's very especially late season it gets very slow um yeah birds get shot out so there's not much opportunity so you would be out there for four hours and maybe some days you don't even take a
2: shot no and that's happened where you know my dogs had to stay in that blind all day and I didn't even pull the trigger, man.
1: And so when you do that, do you you bring bumpers and stuff with you to throw them afterwards? Just get them-
2: Yeah, I do. I do. When it's slow, you know, I'll I'll you know bring her to me and go plant blinds out there and run her on some blinds. And inevitably, when you're doing that, here comes a duck and.
1: Yeah, that's the way it works.
2: I mean, you know the way the way to get ducks in is just start
1: packing up your yeah. crap. And they'll you know, come in every time. So. <laughs> or run, that's or run
0: true, dogs right? on blinds, either or, one. Or, or take yeah. a pee. Um, but I, I slightly <laughs> disagree with you that Orton's bad for new dogs. I think it's actually, if you have a new dog that's not heavily trained and it breaks and it does all sorts of things, those blinds are really good for those new dogs.
2: The only thing I don't like about it is that they can't see. So if they're inside with you, I... I th- they need to be able to see what's coming see what's falling see what dad's shooting at see what dad's calling at if you go with them outside the blind absolutely man you do you and you know work to the best of your ability try not to let that dog break you know let him be steady. and if he's tethered and he's you know or she's being a butt and she's moving wait till her butt sits back down and then you know release her it's just manners 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 the whole time so that's
1: uh that's why people enjoy being around a good dog is that manners thing right and see and that's what makes you know
2: that's what makes guys want to hunt with you yeah
0: and there's also nothing more exhilarating than like dropping a duck and the duck is uh crippled or diving and watching that dog go out and just work hard yes gosh dang it man
1: well we got scott hooked because of the dogs right so that's why scott's a duck hunter so scott was running trials dogs and like dude, you got a lab and you don't hunt. What the what the hell's wrong with you?
2: I know, and his, his excuse was, "I don't want another hobby." I well, don't want another
1: well, hobby. that was a big thing, and he, but he had a very
2: bad experience.
1: And, and I will tell you that um, there are hunters that are idiots, just like any other any anything else. Yeah. And he is very protective over his dogs. I mean, he's yes. got a lot of money tied up into his dogs too. Um, but somebody shot over his dogs, and. That turned him off to duck hunting.
2: And that's, and you know what, and that is, man. When your dog's out and it's a new dog, don't go hunting with four or five guys. You know, pick your good buddy that you know you know is an ethical hunter and you know that he knows when to take good shots. And just don't go out with a bunch of people. Well, so, and
1: Scott, we took him out and he finally, it was actually, we just started the podcast. And Scott listened to the podcast, and then he calls Ron like the next day and says, "Hey, I want to go hunting with you guys." And <laughs> and so we took him out hunting, and you know we got it was a really it was an Overton day, and it was really slow because Ron and I kind of have a rule: we, you're a new hunter, we're probably going to take you to Overton. Yeah, you're not going to get on the boat before we figure out whether we want to yeah. take you on a boat, I can't right? Keep you in a blind. Yeah, <laughs> if I can't keep you in a blind. I'm not taking I'm you on a taking, boat. I don't blame you. But his favorite part was watching that dog work. But the fact that you got to hunt and watch the dog work at the same time, he was hooked. And so he immediately went out and bought like three guns and 7,000 <laughs> decoys. And, but you know, he, that's the passion. And I, you talked about it earlier is I'm at the point in, in my hunting life on and ducks. I guess a little bit of everything that most of the time I'd rather just watch somebody else drop a bird. Yes. Than me do it myself, and so we were talking about you know we would like to do more filming, but it's hard to film and hunt at the same time. Yeah, and maybe there's a time to step back and just do that because we're bringing out new guys, and the new guys I would rather them harvest a bird than me harvest a bird. Watching the dogs work, I mean the cool thing to do. The Rock, you know, the coolest time I've ever been out with Rock, and he's he's a great dog, and we hunt with Rock a lot. But he had a bird, we had a cripple, and he was after the cripple, and that thing just kept, every time Rocky get on him, he'd go underwater. And so he'd go underwater, and Rocky just look around like, where the hell did he go? And about the third time he did it, Rock's like, I got you. And he just went full force, completely underwater, came up with a duck.
2: And that's, you know what, and that's, I can sit and watch that all day. Oh, yeah. I honestly can't. And that's the best, I think that's the best part of the dogs out there, is just watch them. They don't do what they're bred to do.
0: I remember last year we shot a can and like Rock chased this can all the way across the lake. He chased it all across the lake. And it kept him doing the same thing. Bloop, bloop. And it kept on getting further. And then finally he was like probably like 300, 400 yards of chasing this can across the lake. And it was like high, low water, you know, so he could walk and swim. And uh, he finally grabbed it, and, like, everyone in the blind was cheering and clapping. <laughs> and, like, we walked down the road, and somebody's like, did you shoot a band? We're like, no, our dog just got a duck. <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, did you shoot a band?
2: <laughs> and that's what it is, man. It's just the it's excitement of
0: watching those dogs.
2: It's just, it's another, just another. It's football. like
0: watching someone shoot a game-winning three-point. Yeah, know? it is. And I can watch it all day
2: long.
1: You know what I like the best about watching the dogs work? Yeah. That means that I don't have to go go climb through that seven foot thick mud. <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Caleb, what's your plans this hunting season? What are you going to do? I'm for sure going to go
2: out with my dad.
0: Yes. Are you? So out of the, you have two sons, right? I do. Weston and uh,
2: Caleb. He's which one? Youngest. Which one's the killer? Uh, Caleb has gone out with me a little bit more than yeah. my oldest. <laughs> he's the killer. My, my right oldest right? is the. He's in his teenage years, so he's he's doing you know gaming and
0: he plays it too much.
2: Hey, you gonna you gonna you're coming out with the ducks
1: and donuts this year, right? Yes. Yeah. You get starting to work on your duck haul for for the February one.
0: Probably.
1: Yeah. Uh, you gotta win that duck call contest. Get a gun this year. Yeah, he went out with me
2: quite a bit last year.
0: What, what kind like,
2: of gun do you like to shoot as a youth? Uh, he has been shooting his four ten. Th- we just last year we bumped him up to twenty. So. What 20 did you dude. bump him up to? We did. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's just a. Uh, Oh, you get Mossberg 20 gauge. Just a pump? Yeah.
1: Tell your dad, 410's fine. Just start buying me tungsten.
0: <laughs> yeah, play him that way. <laughs> um, so something I realized, Mitchell was kind of his size when he started. And something that Mitchell found out is he, he used to shoot the TriStar 20 gauge. Yeah. And he was like, he was shooting it one day, and I was like, hey, why don't you try this 12? And he like picked up the 12 and shot it, and it's that inertia drive 12. And he's like... This kicks less than my 20 gauge. i that all day.
1: Well, but here's the thing is people don't understand. So I, I coach four a shooting mm-hmm. and my kids that were smaller, as long as they could hold the gun up, I would put them on a 12 gauge. Mm-hmm. A 12 gauge has the weight behind it. A lot of times you're gonna have less felt recoil out of a 12 gauge than you are a 20 gauge. Cause the 20 gauge are coming in, they're smaller, they're a little bit lighter. Yeah. And especially when you start working on, you give a kid a synthetic 20 gauge, that's that's not going to be very fun for him to shoot. My Go. kid, he had a single shot synthetic 20 gauge. So a single shot has no action to take out any of the recoil.
0: And, and it's he synthetic.
1: Was, and it's synthetic. And he was shooting the 4 H competition, and normally he did pretty good. And he came back, and he started missing, like, everything. And he's like, my shoulder hurts. I'm like, dude, you shot 25 rounds. Your shoulder should not hurt. And he's like, "But my shoulder hurts. And then a couple of weeks later, I was out, and I shot his gun. And I'm like, don't shoot that gun anymore. <laughs> don't. I, I won't shoot that gun. And then, so I bought a limb saver for it. But it just, since it has no action, it's just there's nothing to take recoil yeah. away. And there's nothing, no weight to stop that recoil from going right into your transfer, right into your body. So a lot of times those 12 gauges, they, they're intimidating. But once you get a kid to shoot them, they a lot of times will shoot better because the less
0: felt recoil out yeah. of them.
2: No, he'll definitely try shooting one this year.
0: What, uh, what, what gun are you shooting this year?
2: I have a a semi-auto. It is the Winchester SX4 or P, like, what is it? But it's a Winchester. Yeah. I Love it, man. I've had that the bad. SX3. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, those are good guns. We, I love it, man. I've had it for. We like have four some years
1: upgraded versions um, that we use for four eights that were competition. They were competition shotguns, and those things were just—they were great to shoot.
2: Um, I don't know how they do in the mud. I've had any issues with it. So, and I, uh, you know what, I'm not the best at you know cleaning my gun, but. Probably, I probably had a whole season where I haven't cleaned it. Just the end of the year. I right. I, I don't. So I don't clean my gun during the season unless yeah. I drop in the water. Yeah, um, and it, it worked great. It. It's because Brian don't shoot that
0: much. Caleb, what? Uh, what's, what's? Yeah, it's because I hit
1: ducks, unlike you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my name's Brian. I hit dingers. <laughs> hey, so what's your favorite dog story, man? When you've been out hunting, have you had like a really cool story with a dog out there? Um, uh, not really. No. Uh,
2: my dad can remember. I can't remember. He's either sleeping or eating. That's the,
1: the, that's the, what kids are doing. We get along are. in the
0: duck blind. <laughs> but you know what? That's that
1: was... that's the thing that parents have to realize when we get our kids out. So it's about making it an enjoyable experience yep. for them. And if all they do is eat and sleep, so be it. All they do eat is eat and sleep. You yep. get to spend time with them, and they're least, in they the out duck out blind actually.
2: with
0: you. Does your dad yeah. take you to maverick every morning on the way to the duck blind? yes yeah
2: you gotta bring snacks you know if you're bringing kids even with me you gotta bring snacks (laughs) well and that's the i just thought
1: we were talking the other day the only time i drink red bull is during hunting season and it's they i go through my supply for the year during duck season (laughs) season. (laughs) because that's you do you run yourself ragged during duck season and it's we we eat like garbage and you know it's early
0: morning yeah oh it's a good life <laughs> it, it, it's, it's I, I i love running ragged during in duck season i it's feel fun. free finally um l- let me give you a scenario you can tell me what you think this guy should do with his dog so you know nick goley right yes last year nickel was walking down a dike going to a blind okay and um i don't know where this other hunter's dog came charging on the dike and took out his dog a very aggressive dog and and this other hunter knew his dog was aggressive what what do you think how, how how do you train that out of the other dog the aggressive dog so a, yeah, it was a black lab too just so you know so
2: yeah, that's well, you know first black. thing first things first that dog shouldn't be out there a lot of people got a lot of money invested in their dog and if you know your dog's already you know aggressive towards other dogs and you're in Overton overtender pretty much anywhere in southern nevada you're going to run across another hunter mm-hmm. um so that's on that guy. No, that dog shouldn't be out there. And it, aggressiveness is one of the hard things to train out of a dog, just especially when they're unpredictable. Um, my advice to that guy is a lot of obedience, a lot of interactions with other dogs in a controlled environment. And then if my dog is not sitting in his blind, he's leashed up. And if I'm going, you know, just set up, the dog's
0: leashed up. Um, and that's that. I'm just going to try to avoid that 100%. So if you've got an aggressive dog, your job is to keep him on a leash then? Yeah. First
2: of all is to make sure that he's not going to be aggressive and that just goes to obedience and controlled dog interactions, you know, and then, yeah, if if you think everything's good, so be it. Let's leash up. We're going to walk to the blind on leash. You're going to sit in your blind. It's time to go. We're going to leash up. We're going to walk back. You know and if that dog should be going from getting that duck straight back to you there's you know it shouldn't be willy-nilly it shouldn't be doing its own thing and going across the pond if if it's doing that too that's a whole nother training issue so well
1: i think that's the there's you got to have you got to take dogs out that belong out and if your dog is not ready your dog's not ready yeah whether you want to be there or not so if it's not ready, let's figure out how we get it ready and, and do it to everything everything's safe. Cause, you know, we all love our dogs, but there's not only that, some of these dogs that are running. I know your dogs, Tim and, and Scott's dogs, you know, they're high dollar dogs. They're not cheap dogs, right? These are dogs that are pedigreed dogs that, um, that actually have seniors titles and masters titles that the value of these dogs is pretty good. I know you got yeah. one dog that's, ex-
2: that's, you know, they do. He's in, uh, Butch. He is in Missouri training for Master Nationals with, um, another gentleman, Eric Tyson, Uh, show me retrievers. Um, yeah. And that's just, uh, they, these dogs can get high dollar, man. They can absolutely, especially the dogs, you know, that are the grand, they're the Master National dogs. People invest a lot of money in them. And I don't want, you know, my dog getting hurt.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I've seen it at, it- dog trials last year you know dog it's went after another ago, dog right? might have been two yeah. years ago dog went after another dog and you do that at a dog trial event oh, that's it, it
2: dog's yeah, yeah. gone and it can come back so,
0: so i asked him too i said do you hunt that dog he's like only on geese i was like well that makes sense like well, <laughs> <laughs> well let me ask you a question what yeah. what so you've trained what what kind of dogs have you had in your can you've had pointers you've had labs you've had like that, you've actually bred, you've had retrievers, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. So for like gun dogs, I've had uh, short hairs, uh, setters, labs, goldens, um, GSPs. And then for obedience, man, I've had wiener dogs, <laughs> border collies, huskies. It's just 150 pound mutt. That was just gigantic.
1: Just
0: kind
2: of
1: anything. Oh, I just laugh. I
2: laugh at the Facebook posts and, hey, I've
1: got this 700-pound rotwater that's killed three mailmen. Oh. Who, do you know a good trainer?
2: I, those, are, <laughs> those dogs I won't take. I'm, <laughs> this is my hobby, and I, if I don't do aggression dogs. I don't. You know, there's people out there that do, and yeah, good for them, but no, no thank you.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're retired. This, yeah. is, this is something where it's just a little extra cash, yeah. and so you actually get to be super picky about who you bring into your... It is. It
2: is, it is. And you know, I've got my kids out there. My kids are part of it. Oh, so they're out there working dogs and stuff like that. So I don't need that. Oh, well, I'm
1: calling labor
2: commissioner. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about I your GSPs, man. What, what should people know before buying a GSP? So I am,
2: I, I am, I love GSPs. I'm, but I am out of it. I'm just a straight retriever guy now, but GSPs are great dogs, man. They're just, they're so versatile. You can, you know, go hit chucker, you know, in the morning and then Go sit with them in a the duck blind. Very good. A little bit more higher energy, but you got to once again, you got to pick the right pedigree. You got to go for like the Navda bred GSPs. Um, that's where your all around type dogs. You know, your fur, your feathers, your 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 ducks. Um, they're just good dogs. They just. You know, you gotta deal with a little bit of high strung, but
0: late late season though GSPs, you can't hunt them on ducks when it gets too cold. They have too short of a coat, right? They do,
2: they do. That's the only thing you gotta watch. You gotta make sure they're wearing their, you know, five millimeter neoprene vest and watching them. Yeah,
0: why did GSPs look so funky when they try to swim? I, you know what? I don't know, but
2: some of them just maintain that puppy swim. You know, their head out of water, so. I don't. I can't tell you. Every single
0: time I see GSP jump at the water, afraid he's going to drown. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. But if you want just exposure, exposure, exposure. Watermarks. You know, tons of them. Yeah. Just build up that confidence. Well, I think they should you level out.
1: You touch a good point though. On the GSPs, yeah, hunting GSP in the cold, but it's not just GSPs. It's it's any dog we hunt. Pretty extreme conditions, right? So waterfowl hunting is not a fair weather sport, right? So. Your best hunts are going to be when it's freezing cold and driving rain. Yes. And so your dogs are going to be, your dogs are in the water. You got waders on and your dogs soaking wet. So it's as hunters, we need to do our best to make sure those dogs are well taken care of. And we're watching them for signs that, you know, they need to warm up. We're doing things, getting them in their vests so they can keep warm. Um, we had a hunt that last year that I don't think Rock was in the water very long at all, but it was the point where he was, it was get him in the truck and warmed up. Right. And so I think it's, we, we have to watch these dogs as as we go out with them. It's not fair. I, like I said, we're sitting in waders and parkas and everything else, and these dogs are going in the water for us. So you got to watch them to make sure that you're doing right by that dog.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You got a lot invested in that dog. Your dog's part of the family. And yeah, absolutely. Just constantly watch him, you know, check his feet when you're done hunting, check his coat, check his ears, you know, try to keep him somewhat warm.
0: What are you checking his ears for?
2: Um, You know, foxtails, any debris, anything Mm -hmm. that was floating in the water that could be stuck in their ear. What do you do if there's
0: something stuck in it?
2: Just get everything out, you know, looking between their paws. Do you
0: see the shot back or like a suction? I just just
2: stick my finger in there. I'm just...
0: You know? Okay, start so pulling it out. Okay. Yeah,
2: just double check, make sure there's nothing stuck in their feet. No, you don't stick so. your tongue down their ear or on. No. No. <laughs>
0: no, that's that's hilarious that you say that. Because my wife said like, if you go hunting, make sure you come back with my dog. <laughs> yes. You know, like you're borrowing him. He's not yes. your dog. Uh,
2: I'm. Uh, my wife is like your wife, so yes, if uh, she would rather have the dog come home than me. <laughs> so.
0: Um. Yeah, like what Brian said last year is we we were hunting an ice hole. And we found an ice hole, and Rock was all vest up, and then uh, we, we got a good shot on this ice hole. And uh, he went in and got some ducks, and he came out, and I, I could see he was hypothermic. Yeah. And so Brian was back. He'd already got back to the truck, and I was like, Brian, call Rock. And Rock don't listen to anybody, except for me. That's how it uh, usually is. But Brian called him, and that dog was like, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> and then Brian brought him in the truck and like got, got, got the heat on, and... Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got it, man. Absolutely. You have to watch your dogs, those, especially. And we talked about gps but let's talk about Labs a little bit. Labs don't care. They'll no, die.
2: They will. They will run themselves into a grave. Yeah. So,
0: like they'll. I've watched Rock run with like four feet with stickers in it. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, why are you walking funny on all your feet? And I will have to stop I'm Like, hey, listen, man, you've got stickers on your feet. Just sit down. I'll come help you. You know. But those Labs, they they don't care.
1: Yeah, we know? did a doe hunt couple years ago that we actually physically had to pick him up and carry him back because he had those those burrs all over in his coat you know and that's the that's part of the the thing is just watching those dogs and you know they those dogs put a lot on the line for you Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's your job to, to sometimes put yourself you know on the line for them i know ron Ron eats the can of sardines and Rod gets the the oil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said too, right? That's Ron's oh, like man. favorite thing, sardines and oysters and oil, almost like. And it's so Ron's like, oh, they're good. And I'm like, one day I'm sitting at the house and it, my wife had got some for her dad. I'm like, well, they're smoked. I like smoked smoked meat and stuff. I'm like, uh-huh. I'm gonna try and do. It. I got it in my mouth and nope. I'm right back out. I'm like, nope, nope I'm done. I've done the same <laughs>
2: thing. My dad eats oysters oh. and crackers on the hunts
0: i love it man
2: and i can't do it that's tried. yeah
0: one for me one for the dog but yeah that's what those labs they don't have a quit they no. don't have a quit until they're dead and so like when you're out hunting with your dog you have to really watch that dog regardless of the pedigree or how good he is yeah um now let's let's talk about a little sore of subject um labs versus goldens and everybody thinks goldens don't perform as well as labs what do you what? think I got, man? That, I
2: got that comment today it's like build goldens i thought they were all you know fluffy and yeah, so uh, man, a good field bred Golden is not the dogs that you see in the movies and the commercials and the magazines. They're not. Um, I I tell everybody I'll put them against the lab. The only difference is is that they just train different. You know, you, they they're a little bit softer. They uh, from from what I've seen with my dogs, they retain a little bit quicker. But you just got to teach them a little bit different.
1: Well, that's probably why guys don't like them over labs. You need be pretty hard on a lab. Yeah. And in a lab, it's like talking to a rock sometimes, right? It is. And with the Goldens, you can't, you can't be that aggressive with the Golden. And so the guys, it, that's the only way they know how to train?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to adjust your training. I mean, it's
1: at least you're not running poodles. I mean...
2: Never had one. Never had one. In they're, they're
1: interesting to watch. I enjoy watching them at the at the trials. Yeah, yeah b- because one that goes
2: around the hunt tests.
1: They're very prissy, <laughs> and it's like you want me to do what? You want me to get in the water? And once they get in the water, they do their job. Yeah. But it takes them like four and a half years to do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, they tiptoe. And yeah. They, or they prance over there. And but
1: they're they're interesting to watch, and they do they do a good job. They retrieve, but you know, you, you run a poodle and it takes 20 minutes to run a poodle and then you get a lab in there, and 30 seconds later the lab's like, oh, let's go back to the truck. We're done. And that's
2: how it should
0: be. You it know? Oh, he doesn't want to go back to the truck. He's like, when's the next yeah, one? When's the, the next, next one? one? Hey, you got me out. Well, yeah, that's where I saw the difference between your la- your your goldens versus the other goldens the hunt chest trials. I mean, I see some goldens and they hit that water like um, I don't even know how to describe it. It was so painful to watch them go retrieve that duck that it was comical. It, it is and that's and they're that's they're that's pretty, the difference. They're in prettier between. than your dogs, though.
2: They're fluffier, you know. They're they're just they're not my cup of tea. I want an athletic built, high driven dog when I hunt, and that's what these dogs are.
0: And what? then your dogs, and you mentioned Tyson's Goldens, uh, just hit the water so hard.
2: Yeah, they they do every
1: bit as a lab. So my favorite dog to watch run the trials are the Blakens. Those little bug, little boykins, Buggers, man. Little dogs, huh? But the funny thing is, like they do, they do a pretty good job for a little dog. They're yeah. they're a little little dog. But I was watching them work this this last hunt trials, and this one dog's coming back, and he's got a duck in his mouth, and one of the wings was broke on it. And it kept tripping itself on the wing and <laughs> the front feet he wasn't tall enough to to get up off the ground, so his front paw would get right on that wing and he'd flip over and then he'd take another <laughs> run.
2: <laughs> and that's yeah, Boykins, man, they got a lot of heart. Yeah. yeah a,
1: they're cool dogs to watch run just because they're they're nothing like anything else out there no, running. No, but you they know. do
0: the job. What do you think about wire hairs?
2: Wire hair is good, man. Good all around dogs for cold. Um, just like a GSP. I think they're a good mix between a GSP and a lab. If you're a big upland guy, but you still want to hit up the waterfowl too, yeah, I, I would prefer a wire hair over a a German short hair. What about
0: training wise? How how are they trainability?
2: Um, hard headed. Hard headed, man.
0: They like the mix of a GSP and a lab? Yeah. Hard headed?
2: Yes, they are. So a lot of like done of,
0: with a lot of drive.
2: Some that I've seen and just, it takes a lot of repetition. Maybe. Just plan on more repetition versus a lab. But, you know, I've seen really good ones. Really good ones, man. And
0: those things
2: go back to the German pedigrees.
0: I've heard that. um, Were you the one telling me about the jaw strength versus the the wire hair versus the lab? No. Have you heard about that? That the wire hair has, like, a jaw strength, like, bigger than a Rottweiler? And so when those wire hairs get in fights. I
2: I can see that because in German they're used for everything. Those wire hairs, you know. You name it, they hunt it, foxes, everything. Boars. So, yeah. So they would have that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it doesn't
1: take, I mean, you look at you look at dog breeds and you would think the dogs you're looking at and the dogs that do the most damage aren't necessarily the biggest, strongest looking dogs sometimes. I mean, you look at when you had the Australian cattle dog, um, one of the reasons the Australian, well, um, the Australian shepherds were starting to be bred is because a cattle dog would come in and it would be great for cattle because it has a very strong mouth, but it was killing sheep. And so they had to breed another dog that was a little bit lighter on the mouth that wouldn't kill the sheep. So cattle dogs, not a very, I mean, their body's stout, but you look at their face and their face doesn't look very strong. They got a pretty strong bite because they're designed to, to work cattle. And yeah, you know,
0: it's amazing where dogs would come. Well, let me ask you one more question here, Tim. What if you're taking out a new hunter and he's hunting your dog for the first time, what what's some of the little rules that you talk to him about? So new hunters and new dogs, or just new hunters? There's a new hunter hunting over your dog. Um, what's the conversation? Sight you picture,
2: have? sight picture. Watch your sight picture. You know, make sure there's enough sky in between my dog and the water. You know, my dogs aren't gonna break. Mm-hmm. Um, but just watch your placement with your shot, you know, um, gun safety, big time, you know, watch where you're swinging it. Um, of course you got to talk about sky busting, man, especially in Overton. You know, you (laughs) got, you got to,
1: what do you mean? You're yeah. supposed if you're in Overton, it's a mandatory
0: that you skybust. Some of those, it, some those new Red Docks have optics on them. I'm going to sell them to Overton people. Be like, listen, if you want to get them real high ones, you got to get you, you got to get You <laughs> get the zoom on that shotgun. Just sell them out <laughs> so of your
1: truck. We're we're actually in in the process of working with Kicks Chokes to have a new Overton choke. We're going to call it the Astronaut. Yeah, it's oh, gonna, gonna be, be like a, a triple there, extra full. Man.
0: It has three BBs in it, all tungsten. <laughs> all tungsten. <laughs> and the chokes like this long.
2: <laughs> that's yeah, And that's true out there, unfortunately. But that's another thing I'll talk about. Sky busting, you know, ethical shots, water swatting, you know, just, just bring up you know, calling, when to call, how to call. Just kind of give them a fast tutorial, but not start off with gun safety.
0: So with a new hunter, like you bring a new guy up for the first time, like a conversation I have is like, hey, listen, if my dog's in the water, you don't shoot guns yeah, in the air. Yeah,
1: right. if a dog's in the field, there shouldn't be any guns on arm. No, well,
0: right. no, if I have more experienced hunters and there's a duck coming this way yeah, and my dog's over here, I'll say, hey, take that shot. Yeah. You know, versus, but like if it was a new hunter, like, sorry, you don't get that pretty no. much.
2: Because they're, they're going to follow through and they're not going to, you know, they're going to be so intent on that duck they're not going to realize what's to the left or to the right
0: but like even with that if there's a duck over there my dog's over here brian still won't shoot and he's one of the ones i trust
2: yeah
1: i just won't if there's a dog in the field i don't too many things can happen yeah so you have something go wrong with your load or something like that too many things can go wrong and the last thing we want to do is is not bring a dog home because there was a duck right i mean we all love to shoot ducks but i i'll let every duck pass to make sure the dogs are safe.
2: Yeah. No. And that'd be appreciated with anybody you're hunting with. So yeah, I can see that. And that's what I would talk about to that new hunter is just gun safety, dog safety, you know, my safety.
1: I think anytime we have a conversation, as hunters, especially with new hunters, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think, um, hunting ethics have to have to be part of the conversation. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's great. Everybody likes to take a lot of shots. We went out and shot clays the other day, just, for something
0: to do, right? Knock that dust off. Yeah, we got to yeah, knock the dust you're off writing, a little <laughs> bit. Well, And we, we
1: usually don't. Usually, everybody's like, well, do you shoot clays off-season? Like, I shoot when ducks are around. That's, that's it, right? And that's just the way I've always been. But you bring those people out and you teach them the way to do it the right way and, you know, make it to where if they go into a blind with somebody else and it's like, hey, I was out with Tim and Tim... You know, yeah, Tim taught taught me how to hunt, and then now you go and you're an an ass, and you're shooting things you shouldn't be shooting. You're sky busting, you're interrupting other people's hunts. You're pulling birds that are working away from somebody else. They're gonna not only look at you bad, but they're gonna look at the guy that taught you bad,
0: right? Yeah, I can blame for everybody.
1: Well, yeah, because you're the problem (laughs) usually.
0: Everybody, people will be like, "Hey, your buddy's messing everything up." I'm like. Listen, I talked to him in the parking lot. I don't know if we're friends. I don't know. I just met him. I just met this guy. <laughs> I don't even it'll be like, "Well, his name is Brian." I'll be like, "Yeah, I don't even know that guy." <laughs> um, I have another question. Um, so early season, or early in the hunt, okay, when you have a bunch of ducks coming in, when do you release yes. your dog? soon as
2: the shooting's done and the ducks are on the water. If anything needs to be cleaned up, mm-hmm. you might as well just do it right then and there.
1: See, you know? if it's early, if it's early in
2: the day, especially
1: okay. early season, we'll let ducks sit. Unless yeah, they're belly if it's, up.
2: If it's, if it's you, know, if the, you know, like four minutes in the shooting light, mm-hmm. no, my dog can sit. I'm going to kill some ducks. I'm not going to go out and waste time because those ducks are going to start coming in. So, yeah, let them float, man. Yeah, the uh, the only caveat to that is if they're belly
1: up and the white showing – you ain't you ain't getting yeah. any more ducks in. Send your dog. Yeah. Get, get that. Get those birds of her belly up, and you know let them work. I think it's it's important that we let the dogs work. But if you let the dogs work and chase all your ducks out, the dogs get one opportunity versus five.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's something for new hunters. Like you shoot that duck, and you want to let your dog go right away. You know, because you're pumped. I got a duck. But early in the morning, if you're shooting ducks and the ducks are still working, just let it sit. You're going to have oh, more man. opportunities. Into that. And so a lot of new hunters will release their dog on that first duck, and now they've they've eliminated all their other yeah. options.
1: Yep. Well, we've shot ducks. Um, we actually shot a duck this last season, and it was in the decoys, and it was dead, and we couldn't figure out from the blind mm-hmm. which one was the duck because it was sitting up, and I'm like, we just got an extra decoy. Yeah.
2: We, <laughs> we can leave we that sit out there all day.
1: <laughs>
0: Might as well leave it out there, yeah. Okay, well, last question. We're getting close to wrapping up. What What do you suggest for new dogs versus old dogs versus and doing dove hunting? Because dove hunting opens up here September 1st.
2: A seasoned dog? Yes, absolutely, man. Uh, new dogs, first hunt? No. Temperatures are going to be 108. And once that dog puts that dove in its mouth, it's going to explode the feathers. Well so the other issue I have with a new dog, especially in Overton
1: dove season oh, it's yeah. not safe.
2: No, there's there's <laughs> people are gonna be shooting everywhere and then they're gonna be walking. Inevitably they're gonna be walking around. Um I would I would not do it. And that's just me. Take your season dog or ahead of time. Set up a good decoy setup and just train your dog, you know. But don't actually take them. Let them go get waterfowl. Let them just go have a successful time with that, and then introduce it. You know, just watch your hydration and stuff like that.
0: So the cons with new dogs hunting is one of those doves. It, it, it teaches bad mouth control because they're going to want to drop that, it.
2: Yeah, that dog is going to be so cotton mouth from sitting out in the, you know the sun and opening day. You gosh dang, you know me doves are going to start falling. And once he picks that dove up, it's just going to, every feather in that dog's mouth is going to get stuck and he's going to plop it right out. So.
0: Is there anything you do to fix that? Do you bring a water bowl or water? Yeah, bring water
2: and then you're going to have to work on the hold command because it's, I guarantee you, it is going to get undone just because of the amount of feathers that come out for the dove.
0: Okay. And then just bringing new dogs in the heat just makes it unenjoyable for them. Is that the worst?
2: Oh, geez. Yeah. During dove season, it's just you're out there and. You're just sitting, you know. You're just sitting and shooting, and that dog's running back and forth, back and forth. 108 degree weather, it gets tiring. So one, yeah. you're lowering that dog's drive because one, it's, hey man, it's gonna be balls to the wall the first couple, but then the temperatures gonna kick in, you know, enthusiasm's gonna go down. I'd rather keep it up, you know. Take them out during fall duck season and temperatures are somewhat nicer, and you know the water's gonna cool them off. Gets too hot.
0: That's something I do with the rock when we're out dove hunting, though. I won't, like, we'll, we'll do shooting light in about two hours after, and then we're home. Yeah, it's too hot here. Yeah, even for me. Yeah. Like, and they told Those me, like, kids. I had to keep clothes on at the WMA oh see that's strong that's yeah wrong. i said i have socks on that counts. so <laughs> you're trying to
1: trying to be like the guy from from keep hitting In that day
0: yeah yeah you know you get hot you just gotta take it off that's right so.
1: it, except for it was like 17 degrees and he did it yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well tim what else you got for us anything else
2: no that's it man i appreciate you guys having me on here again it was
0: awesome hey w- one, one more i'm sorry man no. how much how much do you run your goldens for right now? Average cost. I know uh, they changed they based on the pedigree. It, it
2: depends on pedigree, but yeah, they could be anywhere from you know twenty five to three. Okay, but you're paying for for pedigree, you're, and that's that's just the main thing with them is mean, you're paying for pedigree, and I strive to do some of the best golden pedigrees out there.
0: Man, do they come with a health guarantee?
2: Yeah, we do a twenty seven month health guarantee on these guys.
0: And then, do you get the mom and dad's hips checked?
2: Yeah, yeah. Golden's are <laughs> golden's are a little bit different than your labs when it comes to health checks. You've got your, you know, you got to do your GRCA standard, which is your Golden Retriever Club of America. You got to follow them. So you've got your, you know, your heart, which is your advanced cardio. You've got your eyes. You've got your teeth. You've got, you know, your hips, your elbows. Um, the list goes on and on that you should be certified in.
0: And you're certified in most of those.
2: Every single one of them. Every single one up, of them. Up.
0: So when you're buying these dogs from Tim, you're not paying for a, a crap product. He he's put a lot of money into these yeah. and I think um if you want a quality product, I mean you don't go buy um you don't go by Ikea and expect to have a BMW. Oh I do all the time. <laughs> do you? You know? <laughs> I put the BMW badges that, on it
2: and you, you get what you get what you pay for. You honestly do when it comes to to field goldens is you get what you pay for just because they're red i'm gonna have a shorter coat they're not field goldens it just goes back to pedigree well
1: it just comes from having high quality breeders that you you gotta know your where your breeders
0: are coming from right yeah and you're gonna get a lot of miles out of these dogs oh yeah you know and this is gonna become your best friend and so if you're gonna go buy your best friend you know You might as well buy one that that is going to be able to keep up with you and, you know, be in your house and you don't have to worry about it for a long time. I bought a golden retriever. Me and Kate bought our first golden retriever when we first got married. Bought it for 500 bucks out of a garage somewhere. That dog had hip dysplasia. That dog had cardiac problems. That dog died when Mitchell was eight. So, you know, it only lasted eight years. You know, and that's, that's, that's horrible. And so... I mean I wish I would have spent three grand and had that dog for twelve.
1: Well and you know the the thing you can see is when you go to your breeder and you can tell whether they're breeding because it's a business or whether they they're breeding because they have a passion for that breed and what they're doing. I think, Tim, yeah, I think you have a passion for, for that breed of dog and, and for what that dog is. Yes. Um, and I think people can see that. And when you see that, that's the breeders you really need to be going from. And it's worth the extra little bit of money to go from a breeder.
2: It, it is. These dogs, these field goldens are amazing. They do amazing things in the field that when people don't know a golden can do or have the drive that they don't think a golden can have. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: And I've watched him's pedigree. I've watched him turn and burn dogs that have bad habits. He's like, I- I'm done with this one. On to the next one. I'm done with this one. On to the next one. And so, like, I- I've watched him work through countless, not countless dogs, but a lot of dogs to get the product he wants. And so, um, I don't know. I think he should be rewarded for his efforts. And if you guys are looking to get a goal and looking to get a hunter, looking just to get a family dog, you know, reach out to them. I mean, he how long is your wait list now? You got.
2: These dogs are—they're are, sold before they're born.
0: So. Yeah, so you'll have to get put on a wait list for his dogs, but um, you know if you're thinking about get on the list before 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 they're all gone, I guess. So, yeah. Good night.
1: And pretty soon, if he runs out of dogs, he's got a couple of kids he can get rid of.
2: Yeah, some days I wish. Not, <laughs> Not that one. That one,
0: hunts. <laughs> so, well, cool.
2: That's it, huh? Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.
0: And we, it's always a pleasure having you on, and we look forward to to running with you this year. We don't hunt much together though, because I got a dog and you got a dog, and yeah, my you hunt
1: Overton, better. and we try to stay away. My, <laughs> my, my,
0: my, my dog, my dog, don't behave as well as Tim's dogs. So I feel ashamed. So <laughs> yeah, man, man. each his
2: own, man. As long as you're out there having fun, that's you know that's the big thing. Yeah. Well, thanks
1: for coming on, man. Caleb, thanks for coming in and joining us. We didn't have to use a shot caller, but twice, so that's all good. Hey, just like we always say, if you're gonna go out this weekend and want to take somebody with, if you're gonna take somebody with you, why don't you try to teach them something? If you can't take somebody or teach somebody, make sure you hunt hard. <laughs>